Hello and you're very welcome to Farmland. Coming up, we'll be joined by agricultural economist Kieran Fitzgerald, who'll be discussing the rising costs facing farmers and the ongoing fallout from Budget 2023. I suppose we've a real focus on the show this week on economics and what's going to be in farmers' pockets. Uh, we're seeing the common agricultural policy. Uh, the next round of it is going to start in January. 9.8 billion euro of a budget is being signed off by Cabinet. Uh, it's, it's a lot of money, but uh, farmers are going to be asked to do a bit more for, for their cap money in, in the coming years ahead. Yeah, I suppose there's been a constant policy uh, over the last 20 years, you could argue, of trying the, the, the cap has aspired to doing more with less resources. I mean, the overall philosophy uh, of the Green Deal, uh, which, you know, has, it, was, it was agreed about three years ago and maybe needs to be re-examined in that context was, um, you know, this issue that less intensive production, less use of inputs and all of that. Now, since that time, we've the, the war in Ukraine, the huge increase in the cost of inputs like fertilizers and feeds. So on the one hand, 9.8 billion is a lot of money. Uh, I think it's, it's well targeted and the structure in Ireland uh, is well designed. The question really is what happens in the marketplace. And I think over the years, the cap has, and EU policy has tended to be very strong intervening on regulation, cost of production, and then very weak and very much let the market look after the price. Uh, and that's the, the key because if, you know, if production costs are going to go up, they're going to go up because of uh, these new regulations, they're going to go up because of the new environmental constraints, and they're going to go up because of the carbon budgets and the requirements there. The question is, in the marketplace, will, will the price reflect that increased cost? Now, it has to a, a very strong degree in 2022, but is that sustained? And I suppose the, the big question is not so much that prices may come back, but is there an appetite and a realisation that if the price piece weakens, well, then the cap needs to do more or, you know, national governments need to do more. Is that an Achilles heel, do you feel, of the cap, that it's not flexible <clears throat> enough, it can't turn on a sixpence when we have these geopolitical issues like we're seeing at the moment? It is. You know, the description of EU policy in lots of things is like the super tanker. You know, you point it in a certain direction, but if you need to turn it and it needs to react, it's quite slow. And, you know, we've seen it with energy prices, like, you know, to to an extent that's that's, you know, very concerned. And so the whole philosophy, the whole structure of energy pricing has to be re-examined. The question I think that you're back to over the years is, um, you know, food production doesn't have any selling power. And this has been well documented and well examined and, you know, that's that's the reality of it. Um, and therefore, you know, food prices have over a long period of time fallen below the level of inflation up until this year. Um, so the question really is, in a situation where this current price profile, which is, is good and, 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 and strong, I mean, if you look across the, the, the products this year, uh, the pig guys had a very tough six months, really tough. Everything else, prices have improved. And, but if that isn't sustained, um, the question is, is there a compensation in the cap and a willingness to look at this in, re in, in reality? Because, uh, and in real time. And, and it's a bit like the energy thing. Like, 
you know, the, the energy problem is a problem of war, and so that's a cataclysmic event, and you, you can't always predict for it. But the second part of the energy issue is that the, the, the price of alternatives are tied to the price of gas. Now, you know, you can intervene there and you can have a more realistic approach. We need a, an up-to-date uh, approach with regard to food and ag in terms of what is actually happening in pricing. And if, if it's not reflecting these new, new costs, well, it, it just won't work, you know. And moving closer to home, we've just had Budget 2023 announced $2.14 billion for the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. What was your overall reaction to, to some of the headlines within that budget? I mean, farmers were looking on at something, say, a, a surprise on Budget Day because so often now the budget is, a lot of the kites are flown yeah. in advance and we know, but the, the concrete levy was a bit of a, a sting in the tail that maybe farmers weren't expecting. Yeah, and like on the one hand, there you know there are increased capital allowances for slurry management, so that's a good thing and a, and, and a very necessary thing. But the sting in the tail is the, is the concrete piece. I can understand the, the the sort of the balancing piece behind this that somebody has to pay for Mike. It has there has to be a levy put in, but you know there needs to be a better understanding of these levies as to what you know if they're just passed on to consumers, well, really does, is there an actual collection of money? And we've had this in the past with things like bank levies. So I think that has to be looked at. I know the SRI over the weekend have said they don't think it's a good idea and the money should be found for something something else. But it's part of this joined up thinking approach that we, we do need, which is, you know, if we are going to address the environmental challenges and there are capital costs associated, well, then let's support that because... There's no doubt there are increases on the cost side, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I suppose that's the, the piece that you'd be most concerned about. I think a lot of the other bits will have to play out. The energy compensation is, is you know, it's, it's quite a substantial amount of money at one level, but certainly at the company level, and I'm looking at this as regards food companies, the levels of support there are very, very small. There's a cap of two million euros on the support that can go to uh, any food company. Now, you know, we, we have a lot of energy in intensity in the food industry. The dairy industry spends the whole year taking water out of milk. We produce all these powders. Uh, we have a lot of, in the processed food sector, plenty of companies with really high energy bills. So there needs to be a better understanding of that. And I think, again, do you feel was there a missed opportunity in the budget that they could have done more? Oh, they, there's yeah. no doubt they could have done more because the usual constraint you get when, when, when there's a problem is, well, state aid rules say we can't, we can only do this. In this instance and across other member states, uh, the state aid rule caps were lifted and more could have been done. Uh, so it, it's going to have to be addressed because uh, if you don't address it and you've got higher energy costs, well, either production goes back uh, our jobs are lost. Well, we're or, seeing all the energy companies hiking prices, yeah, you know, and, only in the last <clears throat> week or two. And this will lead to inflation. And then you're, so you're looking at, you know, a budget that attempts to look at a cost of living uh, problem and close the gap. And then if you don't do anything about energy costs, well, the cost of living goes up further, so the gap gets bigger. So that definitely needs to be revisited. You also mentioned, obviously, the environmental obligations on farmers and what farmers are being asked to do in terms of their climate obligations. And we have the 25% emissions ceiling target as well for the sector. There was a lot of criticism that the budget didn't go far enough for that. I know we saw under TAMS and the Targeted Agricultural Modernisation Scheme that there will be money to go towards large renewable 
global installations. Do you think, did they miss a trick there as well? Well, again, uh, it's it's a question of looking at the actual firepower, the, the you know the, the 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 capital cost associated in doing that realistically. Uh, and like, for instance, you know, we know that there is uh, a lot of potential in anaerobic digestion. We know there's a lot of mention of it. There's beginning to be a joined up policy, but it's very slow to come. I mean, most EU countries have been at this for 10 years. We have an incredible potential here. And all the time uh, the, the clock is ticking. Yeah, there is always a reluctance and maybe it's the Department of Finance to look at anything new and developmental and say, well, you know, we'll fund that. But there really does need to be a sort of a joined up version of what the costs associated here are, because, there, you know, I think we've we've gotten through this ideological debate about the budgets and the various budgets uh, for, for the sectors in terms of the carbon budgets. There was an awful lot of ideology on, on the environmental lobby side saying, you know, um, being very dismissive of the economic importance of agriculture and then being very pejorative about the environmental impact. And out of that has come an agreement now. And in fact, if you look at the various sectors in in the ag sector, from beef to dairy uh, and onwards, the frameworks are there to reduce the environmental impact and to address the carbon piece. Uh, and we really now need to just get on with that. Okay, there's a finalisation in the in the the, the, the sort of policy documents um, that are going to come out of the FoodWise piece, but companies are are joined up on it, and companies are dealing with the fact that their customers whether they're retailers here or abroad, or ingredients buyers, are insisting on, on environmental measures and, and carbon measurement. So we just need to get on with that and move that debate away from what was a very sort of a one, you know, binary debate is the way I describe it. There was only going to be winners and losers, and that's nonsense. And we spoke about that at the National Ploughing Championships recently, about how the perception of farming amongst the public was very much damaged during that time. And at least we drew a line under it with the target. But uh, still, there is a bit of a lasting effect there, I think. Oh, I think so. And I, 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 I'd always say there's two things that would always concern me about the perception of ag. And one is uh, the dismissiveness of the economic impact. And, you know, we really do need to better understand what we're talking about here because, yes, we have the multinational sector and, yes, we have the, you know, the increase in corporation taxes. That's a great thing. But in reality, uh, and the Department of Trade do a survey every year, you know, the, the economic impact of the multinational sector is not the 300 billion of exports. It's about... Uh, a 30 billion Irish economy spend, which is significant, but it's 30 billion, not 300. The spend from the agriculture and food sector is about 18 billion. That's So, you know, we can't run this economy in an unbalanced way. We had this notion 2004 that we didn't need anything except, um, you know, development and, and et cetera, et cetera. We really need to look at the proper balance. And when you look at that proper balance, particularly in the rural economy areas, there's a huge and unique contribution from the agriculture and food sector. And, you know, there are two sides to this issue. An economic and a social impact in, in those yeah. areas, yeah. There's a dismissiveness of, of ag on the one hand, coming from a lot of the national media. And, and this, you know, it, it's been there for a while. And there's a tendency to say, well, look, in a modern economy, how, how relevant is this? So that needs to be better understood. You know, there's about 260,000 
jobs uh, right across agri-food and farming that won't be replaced because the multinational sector doesn't come to these areas. And there's a unique contribution then from the turnover in ag where the money is spent in the country. There's a huge multiplier effect. On the other hand, I do think ag uh, needs to better represent itself. We need to represent agriculture as an ongoing uh, economic bulwark and as an opportunity. And there tends to be, um, at times when, when ag is in the spotlight, you know, too much emphasis on the row in the dressing rooms I was I would describe it, the row between the processor and the farmer, am I getting enough for this? And if the messaging from agriculture is, you know, we think this is a great sector, but we're not getting enough money. And I, I, I get that, I get that argument about incomes, but if that's the only message that's coming across from the, the, the plain people of Ireland who are not very well informed about this economic contribution, then they will say, well, look, really, we're not really, you know, we don't really care whether this sector survives or not because we only hear it as a problem. So ag and food industry needs to get its messaging right, that it is very important, very relevant and capable of growth, all of which it is. We need to get that message across as well as saying, look, if there is to be a cap and in that cap our costs are going to go up, then, the, you know, there has to be a compensating price mechanism. And if it's not there, then the cap needs to be resolved. That's, a, that's an entirely reasonable thing. But it has to be done against the backdrop of we have a current contribution, we can continue doing it, we'll get our environmental impacts more improved, and we are doing all of this. Yeah, and look, finally, I suppose, Kieran, would you have confidence? We're seeing, obviously, we mentioned at the start, a lot is going to be asked to farmers in the coming years in terms of their environmental obligations. The costings and, you know, the, if it's something even an exit scheme or a reduction scheme, you know, a lot of uh, the farm organisations have raised concerns about if costings have been done and impact analysis. How would you see that? Yeah, again, it's about looking at this properly and, and doing it in a way that, that looks properly at the economic impact and at the costings. And, and you know, it won't work if, if it's a sort of, if it's a tokenist. Um, so if there's to be a buyout scheme, it has to be well-funded, And for instance. And on, on the other hand, though, I would emphasise we can't have the disconnect. We've had 20 years now of very low food prices, extremely low. And, you know, I looked at the CSO figures for food before this, this year and we effectively had food prices falling against general inflation. So the real price of food fell by 16%. We can't continue to have that. Not now in a situation where, you know, you're going to up the, the cost piece. So that piece has to be got ready. And then if there is are to be exit schemes, they need to be properly funded. And I think on that basis, we can manage things. Um, and I really do think now's the time to move on into performance, because I think the industry uh, at farm level and at, at processor level can demonstrate this capability in terms of redu reduction of environmental impact, management of the carbon piece, and the fact that, like, you know, what keeps us all going in Ireland in the food industry is there's huge global demand for our product. Like, without that, all the other stuff doesn't really count if you don't have ongoing demand. And it's gone up in the last number of years because people want the best grass-based product they can get. Uh, and again, that's back to this national debate we had, which seemed to be all framed in, oh, well, we've, we've analysed the output of carbon associated with dairy and beef, and we, we 
who the environmental lobby are saying you should stop that and produce fruit and veg. Like, with great respect, that's dreadful nonsense. Ireland would be producing more fruit and veg if there was an economic uh, capability and a return in it. It isn't a, you know, we didn't go into milk and meat because of an ide ideological, um, if you like, obsession with it. So the economics of fruit and veg are what they are. You know, there are distribution systems that all the big retailers have that allow them to bring in product and the local product just doesn't get a snuff. And that's, that's, that's the reality of it. So, you know, the, the broad debate about where we're going needs to now engage in the fact that we have the capability, we can continue to make this huge uh, economic contribution that's unique. Uh, and we are meeting our environmental targets and can meet the new carbon piece. But, you know, there's a financing cost around it. And that's where I suppose there's, there's always this concern that there's on the one hand, we'd like to put your cost up. On the other hand, good luck with your pricing. Well, we need those two things to be joined up. Kieran Fitzgerald, thank you so much for joining us on Farmland. You're welcome. And that's it from this episode of Farmland. Thank you for tuning in. You can keep up to date with all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie 